Welcome to this week in nephrology, your filtered medical journal summary. Looking to stay up to date with the latest medical research but short on time? This week in nephrology has you covered. Our AI-powered podcast provides you with a convenient, on-the-go solution to keep you informed about the most significant developments in the nephrology field. Hi, this week in nephrology, we will be discussing article published in September issues of the nephrology journals. First we will be going over articles in the Journal of the American Society of Nephrology. Genome-Wide Association Study of CKD Progression Background Rapid progression of CKD is associated with poor clinical outcomes. Despite extensive study of the genetics of cross-sectional EGFR, only a few loci associated with EGFR decline over time have been identified. Methods We performed a meta-analysis of genome-wide association studies of EGFR decline among 116,870 participants with CKD, defined by two outpatient EGFR measurements of less than 60 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters 2, obtained 90 to 365 days apart, from the Million Veteran Program and Vanderbilt University Medical Center's DNA Biobank. The primary outcome was the annualized relative slope in outpatient EGFR. Analyzes were stratified by ethnicity and diabetes status and meta-analyzed thereafter. Results In cross-ancestry meta-analysis, the strongest association was RS77924615, near a mod slash tilt. Each copy of the G allele was associated with a 0.30% slash year faster E for decline, P equals 4.9 times 10 minus 27. We also observed an association within BIC1 RS1159274 where every additional minor allele was associated with a 0.13% slash year slower eek for decline, p equals 5.6 times 10 minus 9. Among participants without diabetes, the strongest association was the UMOD slash PILT variant RS3606036, associated with a 0.27% slash year faster eek for decline per copy of the C allele. P equals 1.9 times 10 minus 17. Among black participants, a significantly faster EGFR decline was associated with variant RS1699674 near Apple 1, R2 equals 0.29 with a G1 high-risk genotype. Among black participants with diabetes, lead variant RS1162491 near HEATR 4 also was associated with a significantly faster EGFR decline. We also nominally replicated loci with known associations with E for decline, near PRICAG2, FGF5, and C15 or 54. Conclusions Three loci were significantly associated with longitudinal E for change at genome-wide significance. These findings help characterize molecular mechanisms of E for decline and may contribute to the development of new therapeutic approaches for progressive CKD. Second article Effects of a more selective arteriovenous fistula strategy on vascular access outcomes. Significant statement. The optimal choice of vascular access for patients undergoing hemodialysis, arteriovenous fistula, AVF, or arteriovenous graft, average, remains controversial. In a pragmatic observational study of 692 patients, the authors found that among patients who initiated hemodialysis with a central vein catheter, CVC, 
A strategy that maximized AVF placement resulted in a higher frequency of access procedures and greater access management costs for patients who initially received an AVF than an average A more selective policy that avoided AVF placement if an AVF was predicted to be at high risk of failure resulted in a lower frequency of access procedures and access costs in patients receiving an AVF versus an average. These findings suggest that clinicians should be more selective in placing AVFs because this approach improves vascular access outcomes. Background. The optimal choice of initial vascular access, arteriovenous fistula, AVF, or graft, average, remains controversial, particularly in patients initiating hemodialysis with a central venous catheter, CVC. Methods. In a pragmatic observational study of patients who initiated hemodialysis with a CVC and subsequently received an AVF or average, we compared a less selective vascular access strategy of maximizing AVF creation, period 1, 408 patients in 2004 through 2012, with a more selective policy of avoiding AVF creation if failure was likely, period 2, 284 patients in 2013 through 2019. Pre-specified endpoints included frequency of vascular access procedures, access management costs, and duration of catheter dependence. We also compared access outcomes in all patients with an initial AVF or average in the two periods. Results An initial average placement was significantly more common in period 2, 41%, versus period 1, 28%. Frequency of all access procedures per 100 patient years was significantly higher in patients with an initial AVF than an average in period 1 and lower in period 2. Median annual access management costs were significantly higher among patients with AVF, $10,642, versus patients with average, $6,810, in period 1 but significantly lower in period 2, $5,481 versus $8,253, respectively. Years of catheter dependence per 100 patient years was threefold higher in patients with AVF versus patients with average in period 1, 23.3 versus 8.1, respectively, but only 30% higher in period 2, 20.8 versus 16.0, respectively. When all patients were aggregated, the median annual access management cost was significantly lower in period 2, $6,757, than in period 1, $9,781. Conclusions A more selective approach to AVF placement reduces frequency of vascular access procedures and cost of access management. Next we will be going over articles in the Clinical Journal of the American Society of Nephrology. Ferric carboxymaltose in iron deficient patients with hospitalized heart failure and reduced kidney function. Background Reduced kidney function is common among patients with heart failure. In patients with heart failure and or kidney disease, iron deficiency is an independent predictor of adverse outcomes. In the AFFIRM AHF trial, patients with acute heart failure with iron deficiency treated with intravenous ferric carboxymaltose demonstrated reduced risk of heart failure hospitalization, with improved quality of life. We aim to further characterize the impact of ferric carboxymaltose among patients with coexisting kidney impairment. Methods The double-blind Placebo-controlled Affirma AHF trial randomized 1,132 stabilized adults with acute heart failure, left ventricular ejection fraction less than 50%, and iron deficiency. Patients on dialysis were excluded. 
The primary endpoint was a composite of total heart failure hospitalizations and cardiovascular death during the 52-week follow-up period. Additional endpoints included cardiovascular hospitalizations, total heart failure hospitalizations, and days lost to heart failure hospitalizations or cardiovascular death. For this subgroup analysis, patients were stratified according to baseline EECFR. Results Overall, 60% of patients had an EECFR less than 60 ml per minute per 1.73 m to the lower EECFR subgroup. These patients were significantly older, more likely to be female and to have ischemic heart failure, and had higher baseline serum phosphate levels and higher rates of anemia. For all endpoints, event rates were higher in the lower EECFR group. In the lower EECFR group, the annualized event rates for the primary composite outcome were 68.96 and 86.30 per 100 patient years in the ferret carboxymaltose and placebo arms, respectively, rate ratio 0.76, 95% confidence interval, 0.54 to 1.06. The treatment effect was similar in the higher eq for subgroup, rate ratio 0.65, 95% confidence interval, 0.42 to 1.02, p-interaction equals 0.60. A similar pattern was observed for all endpoints, p-interaction greater than 0.05. Conclusions In a cohort of patients with acute heart failure, left ventricular ejection fraction less than 50%, and iron deficiency, the safety and efficacy of ferret carboxymaltose were consistent across a range of EFR values. Second article. Discrepancies between cystatin C-based and creatinine-based ECFR. Background. Recent guidance suggests clinicians increase use of cystatin C for the estimation of GFR. Discrepant levels of creatinine versus cystatin C-based ECFR, ECFR versus ECFR C's, can occur and might signify inaccurate estimation of GFR using creatinine alone. This study sought to enhance the knowledge of the risk factors and clinical implications of having a large eek for discrepancy. Methods Participants in the Atherosclerosis Risk in Communities Study, a prospective cohort study of U.S. adults, were followed over 25 years. Eek for discrepancy was measured at five clinical visits and defined as eek for C's either 30% lower or higher than eek for the current clinical standard of care. The associations between E for discrepancies and kidney-related laboratory parameters were assessed using linear and logistic regression and long-term adverse outcomes, including kidney failure, Aki, heart failure, and death, using Cox proportional hazards models. Results Among 13,197 individuals, mean age 57, SD6, years, 56% women, 25% black race, 7% had ECFRCs 30% lower than ECFRCR at visit 2, 1990-1992, and this proportion increased over time to 23% by visit 6, 2016-2017. By contrast, the percent with ECFRCs 30% higher than ECFRCR was relatively stable, 3% to 1%. Independent risk factors for having ECFRCs 30% lower than ECFRCR included older age, female sex, non-black race, higher eek for her higher body mass index, weight loss, and current smoking. Those with eek for C's 30% lower than eek for her had more anemia and higher uric acid, fibroblast growth factor 23, and phosphate levels as well as higher risk of subsequent mortality, kidney failure, Aki, and heart failure compared with those with similar eek for her and eek for C's values. Conclusions 
Having efrasis lower than efricor was associated with worse kidney-related laboratory derangements and a higher risk of adverse health outcomes. Next we will be going over articles in the nephrology dialysis transplantation. Long-term peridiolytic blood pressure changes are related to mortality. Background In chronic hemodialysis, HD, patients, the relationship between long-term peridiolytic blood pressure, BP, changes and mortality has not been investigated. Methods To evaluate whether long-term changes in peridiolytic BP are related to mortality and whether treatment with HD or hemogefiltration, HDF, differs in this respect, the combined individual participant data of three randomized controlled trials comparing HD with HDF were used. Time-varying Cox regression and joint models were applied. Results During a median follow-up of 2.94 years, 609 of 2011 patients died. As for pre-dialytic systolic BP, pre-SBP, a severe decline greater than or equal to 21 mHg, in the preceding six months was independently related to increased mortality, hazard ratio, HR, 1.61, P equals 0.01, when compared with a moderate increase. Likewise, a severe decline in post-dialytic diastolic BP, DBP, was associated with increased mortality, adjusted HR 1.96, P less than 0.0005. In contrast, joint models showed that every 5 mm of mercury increase in pre-SBP and post-DBP during total follow-up was related to reduced mortality, adjusted HR 0.97, P equals 0.01 and 0.94, P equals 0.03, respectively. No interaction was observed between BP changes and treatment modality. Conclusion Severe declines in pre-SBP and post-DBP in the preceding six months were independently related to mortality. Therefore peridiolytic BP values should be interpreted in the context of their changes and not solely as an absolute value. Second article, Early Acute Kidney Injury is Associated with In-Hospital Adverse Outcomes in Critically Ill Burn Patients, an Observational Study. Background there are no studies in large series of burn patients on the relationship between acute kidney injury, AKI, and adverse outcomes using the kidney disease, improving global outcomes, CATIGO, guidelines. Methods We retrospectively analyzed data from a cohort of burn patients admitted to the intensive care unit, ICU, with a diagnosis of burn injury. The diagnosis of Aki over the first seven days after injury was made according to the CATIGO guidelines. The primary outcome was ICU mortality. We used estimative models using univariable and multivariable logistic regression analyses. Results A total of 960 patients were studied and Aki was diagnosed in 50.5%. In multivariable analysis, Aki was associated, as compared with patients without Aki, with ICU mortality, adjusted odds ratio, AOR, 2.135, 95% confidence interval, C, 1.384 to 3.293, and secondary outcomes, kidney replacement therapy, AOR 4.030, 95% C 1.838 to 8.835, infection, AOR 1.437, 95% C 1.107 to 1.866, hospital mortality, AOR 1.652, 95% C1.139 to 2.697. Aki stage 1 was associated with a higher ICU, AOR 
95% C1.183 to 2.954, and hospital mortality, AOR 1.552, 95% C1.050 to 2.296, and infection, AOR 1.383, 95% C1.049 to 1.823. Aki meeting the urine output, UO, criterion alone was not associated with increased mortality. Ignoring the UO criterion would have missed 50, 10.3%, cases with Aki. Conclusion The KTGO guidelines are useful to diagnose Aki and burn patients. Even the mild form of Aki is independently associated with increased mortality. Considering the UO criterion is important to more accurately assess the incidence of Aki, but Aki meeting the UO criterion alone is not associated with increased mortality. Next we will be going over articles in the Kidney International. Bioimpedance spectroscopy added to a fluid management protocol does not improve preservation of residual kidney function in incident hemodialysis patients in a randomized controlled trial. Avoiding excessive dialysis-associated volume depletion may help preserve residual kidney function, RKF. To establish whether knowledge of the estimated normally hydrated weight from bioimpedance measurements, by NHW, when setting the post-hemodialysis target weight, TW, might mitigate rate of loss of RKF, we undertook an open-label, randomized controlled trial in incident patients receiving HD, with clinicians and patients blinded to bioimpedance readings and controls. A total of 439 patients with over 500 milliliters urine slash day or residual GFR exceeding 3 milliliters per minute slash 1.73 square meters were recruited from 34 United Kingdom centers and randomized one-to-one, stratified by center. Fluid assessments were made for up to 24 months using a standardized proforma in both groups, supplemented by availability of BI-NHW in the intervention group. Primary outcome was time to anuria, analyzed using competing risk survival models adjusted for baseline characteristics, by intention to treat. Secondary outcomes included rate of RKF decline, mean urea and creatinine clearance, blood pressure and patient reported outcomes. There were no group differences in cause-specific hazard rates of anuria, 0.751, 95% confidence interval, 0.459, 1.229, or sub-distribution hazard rates, 0.742, 0.453, 1.215. RKF decline was markedly slower than anticipated, pooled linear rates in year 1, minus 0.178, minus 0.196, minus 0.159, year 2, minus 0.061, minus 0.086, minus 0.036, ml per minute slash 1.73 square meters slash month. Blood pressure and patient reported outcomes did not differ by group. The mean difference agreement between TW and by NHW was similar for both groups, bioimpedance, minus 0.04 kilograms, control, minus 0.25 kilograms. Thus, use of a standardized clinical protocol for fluid assessment when setting TW is associated with excellent preservation of RKF. Hence, bioimpedance measurements are not necessary to achieve this. Next we will be going over articles in the Kidney International. Bioimpedance spectroscopy added to a fluid management protocol does not improve preservation of residual kidney function in incident hemodialysis patients in a randomized controlled trial. 
Avoiding excessive dialysis-associated volume depletion may help preserve residual kidney function, RKF. To establish whether knowledge of the estimated normally hydrated weight from bioimpedance measurements, by NHW, when setting the post-hemodialysis target weight, TW, might mitigate rate of loss of RKF, we undertook an open-label, randomized controlled trial in incident patients receiving HD, with clinicians and patients blinded to bioimpedance readings and controls. A total of 439 patients with over 500 milliliters urine slash day or residual GFR exceeding 3 milliliters per minute slash 1.73 square meters were recruited from 34 United Kingdom centers and randomized one-to-one, stratified by center. Fluid assessments were made for up to 24 months using a standardized proforma in both groups, supplemented by availability of BI-NHW in the intervention group. Primary outcome was time to anuria, analyzed using competing risk survival models adjusted for baseline characteristics, by intention to treat. Secondary outcomes included rate of RKF decline, mean urea and creatinine clearance, blood pressure and patient reported outcomes. There were no group differences in cause-specific hazard rates of anuria, 0.751, 95% confidence interval, 0.459, 1.229, or sub-distribution hazard rates, 0.742, 0.453, 1.215. RKF decline was markedly slower than anticipated, pooled linear rates in year 1, minus 0.178, minus 0.196, minus 0.159, year 2, minus 0.061, minus 0.086, minus 0.036, ml per minute slash 1.73 square meters slash month. Blood pressure and patient reported outcomes did not differ by group. The mean difference agreement between TW and by NHW was similar for both groups, bioimpedance, minus 0.04 kilograms, control, minus 0.25 kilograms. Thus, use of a standardized clinical protocol for fluid assessment when setting TW is associated with excellent preservation of RKF. Hence, bioimpedance measurements are not necessary to achieve this. Next we will be going over articles in the American Journal of Kidney Diseases. Serum potassium and risk of death or kidney replacement therapy in older people with CKD stages 4 to 5, 8-year follow-up. Rationale and objective. Hypokalemia may accelerate kidney function decline. Both hypo and hyperkalemia can cause sudden cardiac death. However, little is known about the relationship between serum potassium and death or the occurrence of kidney failure requiring replacement therapy, KRT. We investigated this relationship in older people with chronic kidney disease, CKD, stage 4 to 5. Study design. Prospective observational cohort study. Setting and participants. We followed 1,714 patients, greater than or equal to 65 years old, from the European Quality, equal, study for 8 years from their first estimated glomerular filtration rate, ECFR, less than 20 milliliter per minute slash 1.73 M2 measurement. Exposure. Serum potassium was measured every 3 to 6 months and categorized as less than or equal to 3.5, greater than 3.5 less than or equal to 4.0, greater than 4.0 less than or equal to 4.5, greater than 4.5 less than or equal to 5.0 reference, greater than 5.0 less than or equal to 5.5, greater than 5.5 less than or equal to 6.0, 
and greater than 6.0 moles L. Outcome The combined outcome death before KRT or start of KRT. Analytical approach The association between categorical and continuous time varying potassium and death or KRT start was examined using Cox proportional hazards and restricted cubic spline analyzes, adjusted for age, sex, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, RAS, inhibition, ECFR, and subjective global assessment, SGA. Results At baseline, 66% of participants were men, 42% had diabetes, 47% cardiovascular disease, and 54% used ROS inhibitors. Their mean age was 76 plus or minus 7, SD, years, mean ECFR was 17 plus or minus 5, SD milliliter per minute slash 1.73 M2 and mean SGA was 6.0 plus or minus 1.0 SD. Over 8 years, 414, 24%, died before starting KRT, and 595, 35%, started KRT. Adjusted hazard ratios for death or KRT according to the potassium categories were 1.6, 95% C, 1.1 to 2.3, 1.4, 95% C, 1.1 to 1.7, 1.1, 95% C, 1.0 to 1.4, 1, reference, 1.1, 95% C, 0.9 to 1.4, 1.8, 95% 1.4 to 2.3, and 2.2, 95% C, 1.5 to 3.3. Hazard ratios were lowest at a potassium of about 4.9 mL L. Limitations Shorter intervals between potassium measurements would have allowed for more precise estimations. Conclusions We observed a U-shaped relationship between serum potassium and death or KRT start among patients with incident CKD 4-5, with a nadir risk at a potassium level of 4.9 mL. These findings underscore the potential importance of preventing both high and low potassium in patients with CKD 4-5. Second article metformin use and long-term clinical outcomes in kidney transplant recipients. Rationale and objective. Metformin has been recommended for some patients with advanced chronic kidney disease. However, the value of metformin in kidney transplant recipients, KTRs, with pretransplant diabetes mellitus, DM or post-transplant DM is uncertain. We investigated the clinical effects of metformin in KTRs. Study design. Retrospective Cohort Study Setting and Participants A total of 1,995 KTRs with diabetes from six tertiary referral centers in the Republic of Korea. Exposure Metformin usage was defined as the use of metformin for greater than 90 days after kidney transplantation. 1,193 KTRs were metformin users, and 802 KTRs did not use metformin. Changing usage of metformin among those exposed for greater than 90 days was also characterized. Outcome Primary outcomes were all-cause mortality and death-censored graft failure, DCGF. Secondary outcomes were biopsy-proven acute rejection, BPAR, and lactic acidosis events. Analytical approach Survival analyzes were conducted using multivariable Cox regression and competing risk analyzes using fine and gray models. Changes in metformin use over time were modeled using a time-varying covariate. Metformin usage, mean daily dose, and hemoglobin A1c, HA1c, 
changes were considered in the landmark analysis to address time-varying confounding. Results Metformin use was associated with a lower risk of DCGF, adjusted hazard ratio, AHR, 0.47, 95% C, 0.23-0.96, P equals 0.038. There was no significant association with all-cause mortality, AHR, 0.94, 95% C, 0.32-2.76, P equals 0.915, or BPAR, AHR 0.98, 95% C, 0.62-1.54, P equals 0.942. In the subgroup analysis, Metformin usage was associated with a reduced risk of all-cause mortality and a lower risk of DCGF for both pre-transplantation DM and post-transplant DM groups. Metformin usage was associated with a lower risk of BPAR in the post-transplant DM group, although it was less effective in the pre-transplantation DM group. There was no confirmed case of metformin-associated lactic acidosis, MALA, in the present cohort. A higher dose of metformin was correlated with lower risks of DCGF and BPAR. Limitations Data on newer anti-diabetic drugs such as SGLT2 inhibitors are limited, and there is potential limited generalizability to other populations. Conclusions Metformin usage may benefit KTRs, as evidenced by its association with a reduced risk of DCGF and the absence of MALA events. Randomized controlled trials are needed to validate these observational findings. Next we will be going over articles in the Clinical Kidney Journal. Associations between EGFR and albuminuria with right ventricular measures, the MESA right ventricle study. Background Chronic kidney disease, CKD, is associated with an increased risk of pulmonary hypertension, which may lead to right ventricular RV, pressure overload and RV dysfunction. However, the presence of subclinical changes in RV structure or function in early CKD and the influence of these changes on mortality are not well studied. We hypothesize that early CKD, as indicated by elevated albuminuria or mild reductions in estimated glomerular filtration rate, EGFR, is associated with greater RV dilation and RV mass. Methods We included 4,063 participants, age 45 to 84 years, without baseline clinical cardiovascular disease from the multi-ethnic study of atherosclerosis. The associations of baseline creatinine cystatin C-based EGFR and albuminuria with cardiac magnetic resonance-derived RV measures, 2002 were examined cross-sectionally with linear regression models. Cox regression models were used to examine whether RV parameters modified the associations of EGFR and albuminuria with all-cause mortality. Results Participants with reductions in EGFR primarily within the 60 to 89 milliliters per minute slash 1.73 square meters category had smaller RV and diastolic and end systolic volumes and stroke volume, all adjusted P trends less than 001, than those with EGFR greater than or equal to 90 milliliter per minute slash 1.73 square meters, an association that was predominantly seen in participants with albuminuria below 30 mg G creatinine. Albuminuria was more strongly associated with death among those with lower RV volumes, p-values for interaction less than 03. Conclusions Among community-dwelling adults, reductions in EPR primarily within the normal range were associated with smaller RV volumes and the association of albuminuria with worse survival was stronger among those with smaller RV volumes. 
Further studies are needed to elucidate the underlying mechanistic pathways that link kidney measures and RV morphology. Second article Standard versus no post filter ionized calcium monitoring in regional citrate anticoagulation for continuous renal replacement therapy, NPC trial background. Current guidelines recommend monitoring of post filter ionized calcium, PFCA, when using regional citrate anticoagulation during continuous renal replacement therapy, RCACRRT, to determine citrate efficiency for the prevention of filter clotting. However, the reliability of PFCA raises the question of whether routine monitoring is required. Reducing the frequency of PFCA monitoring could potentially reduce costs and workload. Our objective was to test the efficacy and safety of no PFCA monitoring among critically ill patients receiving RCA-CRRT. Methods This study was a non-inferiority randomized controlled trial conducted between January 2021 and October 2021 at King Chalalankorn Memorial Hospital, Thailand. Critically ill patients who were treated with RCA-CRRT were randomized to receive either standard PFCA monitoring, aiming PFCA level of 0.25 to 0.35 mmol/l, or no PFCA monitoring, in which a constant rate of citrate infusion was maintained at predetermined citrate concentrations of 4 mmol/l with blinding of PFCA levels to treating clinicians. The primary outcome was the filter lifespan. Non-inferiority would be demonstrated at the upper limit of the 95% confidence interval, C for the difference in filter lifespan between the groups was less than 20 hours. Results 50 patients were randomized to the standard PFCA monitoring group, N equals 25, or no PFCA monitoring group, N equals 25. The mean filter lifespan was 54 plus or minus 20 hours in the standard PFCA monitoring group and 47 plus or minus 23 hours in the no PFCA monitoring group, absolute difference 7.1 hours. 95% C minus 5.3, 19.5, P equals 0.25. When restricting the analysis to circuits reaching the maximum duration of circuit lifespan at 72 hours and clotted filters, the filter lifespan was 61 plus or minus 17 hours in the standard PFCA group versus 60 plus or minus 19 hours in the no PFCA monitoring group, absolute difference 0.9 hours, 95% C minus 11.5, 13.4, P equals 0.88. Compared with the no PFCA monitoring group, the standard PFCA monitoring group had a significantly higher mean citrate concentrations, 4.43 plus or minus 0.32 versus 4 millimoles L, P less than 0.001, and a higher rate of severe hypocalcemia, 44% versus 20%, P equals 0.13. No statistical differences were found in filter clotting, citrate accumulation, citrate overload and mortality between the two groups. Conclusions Among critically ill patients receiving RCA-CRRT, no PFCA monitoring by maintaining the citrate concentrations of 4 mmol/l is feasible. Larger randomized controlled trials should be conducted to ensure the efficacy, safety and cost-effectiveness of this strategy. Next we will be going over articles in the Hypertension ACC. Intensive blood pressure lowering improves left ventricular hypertrophy in older patients with hypertension, the STEP trial. Background Intensive systolic blood pressure, SBP, lowering has been increasingly used, however, its effect on cardiac remodeling remains not fully understood. 
The secondary analysis of the strategy of blood pressure intervention in the elderly hypertensive patients trial aims to determine the changes in left ventricular hypertrophy, LVH, that occur in the context of intensive SBP lowering. Methods A total of 7,141 older patients with hypertension were randomly assigned to intensive treatment, SBP target, 110 to 130 mm Hg, or standard treatment, 130 to 150 mm Hg. LVH was defined according to the Peguero Low Presti criteria on a standard 12-lead echocardiogram. Results At baseline, the prevalence of LVH, 16.6% versus 16.5%, and the mean Peguero Low Presti value, 1811 versus 1808b, were comparable between the treatment groups. During a median follow-up of 3.24 years, intensive SBP lowering was associated with a significantly lower risk of new LVH occurrence, hazard ratio 0.76, 95% C, 0.66 to 0.89, P equals 0.001, and slower progression of the mean Peguero low Presti index value by minus 23.47 V slash Y, 95% C, Minus 34.93 to minus 12.01, p equals 0.000. However, the rates of regression of baseline LVH did not differ significantly. Notably, the beneficial effect of intensive SBP lowering in terms of cardiovascular events, hazard ratio, 0.75, 95% C, 0.59 to 0.97, was not markedly attenuated after adjusting for LVH as a time varying covariate. Hazard ratio, 0.76, 95% C, 0.59 to 0.97. Conclusions Intensive SBP lowering protects against LVH development in older hypertensive patients. However, this favorable effect could not explain most of the reduction in cardiovascular events associated with intensive SBP lowering. Next we will be going over articles in the American Journal of Hypertension. Intensive Blood Pressure Control and Cardiovascular Outcomes in Elderly Patients, a Secondary Analysis of SPRINT Study Based on a 60-Year Age Cutoff. Background In the original SPRINT article, age was categorized at 75 years, which was contrary to many previous clinical trials which is at 60 years. Methods The SPRINT trial randomized 9,361 hypertensive patients to a target blood pressure of less than 120 versus less than 140 mm Hg, intensive versus standard treatment, respectively. Age was recategorized as less than 60 and greater than or equal to 60 years and hazard ratios, HRs, were calculated with 95% confidence intervals, Cs, for outcomes and adverse events. Results Intensive treatment reduced primary outcomes significantly in both less than 60 and greater than or equal to 60 years of age subgroups with a relative risk reduction, RRR, of 36% and 22%, respectively, an HR of 0.58, 95% C, 0.36 to 0.94 and 0.78, 95% C, 0.65 to 0.93, respectively. Although the intensive treatment rendered no effect on myocardial infarction in the overall comparison, it significantly reduced me in patients less than 60 years of age with an RRR of 58% and HR of 0.39, 95% C, 0.17-0.91. In the greater than or equal to 60-year age subgroup, 
Reduced heart failure incidence was noted after intensive treatment, including death from other cardiovascular causes, however, these were not observed in the less than 60-year age subgroup. Intensive treatment resulted in significant hypotension, syncope, acute renal failure or acute kidney injury in the greater than or equal to 60-year age group. Conversely, the risk of these adverse effects in patients less than 60 years of age did not increase. Conclusions Intensive blood pressure control is beneficial for elderly patients, age greater than or equal to 60 years, albeit with increased risk of adverse events. Next we will be going over articles in the transplantation. Robotic versus laparoscopic donor nephrectomy, a retrospective bicentric comparison of learning curves, and surgical outcomes from two high-volume European centers. Background. Although laparoscopic donor nephrectomy, LDN, represents the Galt-Standard technique for kidney living donation, robotic donor nephrectomy, RDN, settled as another appealing minimally invasive technique over the past decades. A comparison between LDN and RDN outcomes was performed. Methods. RDN and LDN outcomes were compared, focusing on operative time and perioperative risk factors affecting surgery duration. Learning curves for both techniques were compared through spline regression and cumulative sum models. Results. The study analyzed 512 procedures, 154 RDN and 358 LDN procedures, performed between 2010 and 2021 in two different high-volume transplant centers. The RDN group presented a higher prevalence of arterial variations, 36.2 versus 22.4%, P equals 0.001, compared with the LDN cohort. No open conversions occurred, operative time, 210 versus 195 min, P equals 0.011, and warm ischemia time, wit, 230 versus 180s, P less than 0.001, were longer in RDN. Postoperative complication rate was similar, 8.4% versus 11.5%, P equals 0.49. The RDN group showed shorter hospital stay, 4 versus 5D, P less than 0.001. Spline regression models depicted a faster learning curve in the RDN group, P equals 0.0002. Accordingly, cumulative sum analysis highlighted a turning point after about 50 procedures among the RDN cohort and after about 100 procedures among the LDN group. Higher body mass index resulted as an independent risk factor for longer operative time for both techniques. Multiple arteries significantly prolonged operative time in LDN, whereas RDN was longer in right kidney procurements. Both procedures were equally shortened by growing surgical experience. Conclusions RDN grants a faster learning curve and proves multiple vessel handling. Incidence of postoperative complications was low for both techniques. Second article, Bariatric Surgery in Severely Obese Kidney Donors Before Kidney Transplantation, a Retrospective Study. Background. Bariatric Surgery, BS, is the optimal approach for sustained weight loss and may alter donation candidacy in potential donors with obesity. We evaluated the long-term effects of nephrectomy after BS on metabolic profile, including body mass index, serum lipids and diabetes, and kidney function of donors. Methods. This was a single-center retrospective study. Live kidney donors who underwent BS before nephrectomy were matched for age, gender, and body mass index with patients who underwent BS alone and with donors who underwent nephrectomy alone. Estimated glomerular filtration rate, (EGFR) 
was calculated according to Chronic Kidney Disease Epidemiology Collaboration and adjusted to individual body surface area to create absolute ECFR. Results 23 patients who underwent BS before kidney donation were matched to 46 controls who underwent BS alone. At the last follow-up, the study group showed significantly worse lipid profile with low-density lipoprotein of 115 plus or minus 25 mg DL versus the control group with low-density lipoprotein of 99 plus or minus 29 mg DL, P equals 0.036, and mean total cholesterol of 191 plus or minus 32 versus 174 plus or minus 33 mg DL, P equals 0.046. The second control group of matched non-obese kidney donors, and equals 72, had similar serum creatinine, ECFR, and absolute ECFR as the study group before nephrectomy and one year after the procedure. At the end of follow-up, the study group had significantly higher absolute ECFR compared with the control group, 86 plus or minus 21 versus 76 plus or minus 18 milliliter per minute, P equals 0.02, and similar serum creatinine and ECFR. Conclusions. BS before live kidney donation is a safe procedure that could increase the donor pool and improve their health in the long run. Donors should be encouraged to maintain their weight and avoid adverse lipid profile and hyperfiltration. Next we will be going over articles in the American Journal of Transplantation. The role of interleukin-21 in COVID-19 vaccine-induced B-cell-mediated immune responses in patients with kidney disease and kidney transplant recipients. T-cell-mediated help to be cells is required for the development of humoral responses, in which the cytokine interleukin, IL-21 is key. Here, we study the mRNA-1273 vaccine-induced SARS-CoV-2-specific memory T-cell IL-21 response, memory B-cell response, and immunoglobulin, IgG antibody levels in peripheral blood at 28 days after the second vaccination by Elispot and the fluorescent beet-based multiplex immunoassay, respectively. We included 40 patients with chronic kidney disease, CKD, 34 patients on dialysis, 63 kidney transplant recipients, KTR, and 47 controls. We found that KTR, but not patients with CKD and those receiving dialysis, showed a significantly lower number of SARS-CoV-2-specific IL-21-producing T-cells than controls, P less than 0.001. KTR in patients with CKD showed lower numbers of SARS-CoV-2-specific IL-producing memory B-cells when compared with controls, P less than 0.001 and P equals 0.01, respectively. The T-cell IL-21 response was positively associated with the SARS-CoV-2-specific B-cell response and the SARS-CoV-2-spike S1-specific IG antibody levels, both Pearson R equals 0.5, P less than 0.001. In addition, SARS-CoV-2-specific B-cell responses were shown to be IL-21 dependent. Taken together, we show that IL-21 signaling is important in eliciting robust B-cell-mediated immune responses in patients with kidney disease and KTR. Next we will be discussing Kidney International Report article. Randomized controlled clinical trial of the effect of treatment with vitamin K2 on vascular calcification in hemodialysis patients, Trevisk HDK Introduction. Vitamin K deficiency among patients on hemodialysis, HD, affects the function of matrix GLA protein, MGP, a potent vitamin K-dependent inhibitor of vascular calcification, BC. Methods We conducted a single-center randomized controlled trial, RCT, 
On maintenance HD patients to examine if vitamin K2 supplementation can reduce progression of coronary artery calcification, CAC, over an 18-month study period. Patients were randomized to vitamin K2 group receiving menaquinone 7360G3 times slash WK or control group. The primary outcome was CAC scores at the end of the study period. The secondary outcomes were aortic valve calcification, ABC, carotid femoral pulse wave velocity, CFPWV, aortic augmentation index, X, dephosphorylated under carboxylated MGP, DPUCMG, levels, major adverse cardiac events, MACE and vascular access events. Results Of the 178 patients randomized, follow-up was completed for 138 patients. The CAC scores between the two groups were not statistically different at the end of 18 months, relative mean difference, RMD, 0.85, 95% C0.55 to 1.31. The secondary outcomes did not differ significantly in AVC, RMD 0.82, 95% C0.34 to 1.98, CFPWV, absolute mean difference, AMD, 0.55, 95% C-0.50 to 1.60 and X, AMD 0.13, 95% C-3.55 to 3.80. Supplementation with vitamin K2 did reduce DP UCM Jeep levels, AMD-86, 95% C-854 to-117. The composite outcome of MACE and mortality was not statistically different between the two groups, hazard ratio equals 0.98, 95% C0.50 to 1.94. Conclusion Our study did not demonstrate a beneficial effect of vitamin K2 in reducing progression of VC in this population at the study dose and duration. Second article, Infectious Risk and Variability of Hemoglobin Level in Patients Undergoing Hemodialysis. Introduction In the management of anemia in chronic kidney disease, hemoglobin levels often fall below or exceed target ranges. Past retrospective cohort studies of patients undergoing hemodialysis with conventional erythropoiesis-stimulating agents, ESAs, found that hemoglobin level fluctuations predicted mortality and cardiovascular adverse events, long-acting agents were thereafter widely available. An updated validation by a prospective cohort study was needed. Methods Using Cox regression models, we evaluated associations between hemoglobin variability and all-cause death, hospitalization, and cardiovascular, thrombotic, or infectious adverse event outcomes in 3,063 hemodialysis patients' data from the Japanese Dialysis Outcomes and Practice Pattern Study, JDOPS, from 2012 to 2018. Results during a median follow-up time of 2.5 years, all-cause mortality was lowest in the first quartile and tended to be higher in groups with greater hemoglobin variability, hazard ratio, HR, 95% confidence interval for the fourth quartile of an absolute value of hemoglobin variability, 1.44, 0.99 to 2.08, P for trend equals 0.056. Infectious event incidence in these patients was also lower in the first quartile than for the other quartiles, P for trend less than 0.01. The association was more pronounced in patients with lower serum ferritin levels or iron supplementation. Cardiovascular and thrombotic event incidence was not associated with hemoglobin variability. Conclusions 
Maintenance hemodialysis patients on ESA treatment with higher hemoglobin variability are at higher risk for all-cause mortality and particularly infectious events. Thank you for listening to this week in nephrology, your filtered medical journal summary. Have a great week ahead, stay blessed and be humane.